Authentic people reveal the thoughts of our hearts. That's the first thing I kept thinking. Watching Christ coming out in his total authenticity of who he is. And suddenly the inner thoughts of the hearts of the people he's preaching to have to come to the surface. It's like the image that kept coming to my mind was Tony Stark on Iron Man. It's like that magnet caused the shrapnel to come out of his heart, right? And to come to the surface. In the same way, when you are authentic with other people in your life, like a magnet, you draw the deeper recesses of their hearts, their hidden intentions, to the surface. But to do that, you can't be afraid of the confrontation that comes with it. I think that's the biggest reason we are not honest. Is because we're afraid of the rejection and the confrontation that can come when the deeper thoughts of our hearts are revealed. You know, one of the things I both love and hate about Andrew Furphy, our administrator, he loves it when I talk about him in public. But it's like it's fair. He gets when he has a problem with me, he gets to go home and talk to his wife. When I have a problem, I get to talk to you guys. Right? It's, just, it's even. All right. The church is my bride. I'm just sharing my problems with you. No, but one one thing that just really hit me so hard is like every single time we ever have a disagreement or anything he'll always come to me and say you said this or this thing happened and this is what I felt in my heart and I just want to set it before you and every single time he does that I'm forced to confront my own motivations in my own heart and actually think about what did I mean when I said that or did this and then we everything coming to the surface We have to confront that reality and we always come away stronger than we were before. But it all begins with his willingness to come and lay out his intentions and his authenticity authenticity in front of me, draws me forward. That's why I both love it and I hate it because it's also painful, right? Because you have to confront realities over and over again. But I was thinking that's exactly what a priest has to do. Like I am called to preach the fullness of who Jesus Christ was and to manifest who he is and what he's taught. And that is a confrontational reality. Jesus Christ was a very confrontational figure. He was very offensive because he always spoke the truth. He always manifested who he was as the truth incarnate. And the truth is by its very nature offensive. But what the truth does is it causes what is deeper in our hearts that maybe we're not willing to look at, to come to the surface, and then we have to confront that reality. That's why it's, it's hard for me, because it's like there's certain times when I know I'm going to say something, and it's going to upset somebody. But then I, I, I really think of the whole problem. I'm like, if I say something that's based on the truth of Christ, and somebody gets upset about that, it's because there's something in their heart that is not conformed to the truth of Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is my obligation as a priest to speak truth into that so they are free then to allow that to come up to the surface of their mind and heart and confront that reality. That's why they say the truth will set you free, but it's going to hurt like hell first. And that's why we don't speak the truth because we're afraid of the pain that comes from confronting the realities of our own hearts. There's a saying that the risk of insult is the price of clarity. The risk of insult is the price of clarity. 
And Jesus Christ experienced this from his first sermon when he came home to his own people. You need to think about it. There's no one you love more than the people you grow up around with. Like, you know them. They know you. Like, Christ being the the fulfillment of all the Messianic promises, you had to think there had to be a special longing in his heart to show that to his own people who he lived with and prayed with all the time. And yet, when he came into his own village to preach at the beginning, his manifestation of who he was brought forth a confrontation and a rejection of his person. And this actually leads, it's a foreshadowing of what will ultimately happen to Jesus Christ, right? Because he was able to walk through their midst in this first sermon. But his life will end on the cross because we as his people refuse to accept his truth. So it's a foreshadowing of the ultimate rejection of Jesus Christ. Authenticity reveals the unredeemed parts of our hearts. It brings it to the forefront, so we have to confront it in truth. And then we can decide what we do with it. So what's the, uh, it got me thinking though, what is the opposite of authenticity? There's something I learned about years ago that came back to me. Has anyone ever heard of covert contracts? A covert contract. It's a, a covert contract is when I give something with an unexpected expectation of what I hope to receive in return, right? And so it comes from a fear, basically, of rejection. They say nice people usually suffer from doing covert contracts because when you're nice, when you're too nice, you're not going to manifest your real desires and your hopes and what, what you need. And so you think, well, if I just do this other thing for this person, if I do the dishes, then maybe she'll give me the affirmation that I'm really looking for. Right? If I say I love you to this person, maybe I'll hear something back that I need to fill myself up with. Rather than just being honest and saying, look, I have this in my heart and this is a need I, I need you to look into. I need you to recognize. So covert contracts is when I do something without explaining why I'm doing it, but it's still expecting to get something in return. Women are really good at this. <laughs> Women are great at covert contracts. Right. Actually, the, the language of women is covert. Men are just overt, right? That's, I, I see this in my preaching all the kind of time because men, it's just like, dude, just say what you mean and mean what you say. Women, it's like how you say it, right? How you package it because it's more about the delivery than anything else. But it's covert. That's why like, women just want the man to get it. Like, I don't want anything for my birthday. Okay. I can't believe you didn't give me anything for my birthday. <laughs> Obviously, I want something. I'm not going to come out and tell you I need it. So. so it's like you have to think about, am I manifesting my true desires and longings to my partner so they know what I need? Right? Christ was always very honest with who he was so they had a chance to respond to that. A couple examples came to my mind. This happened the same week. It's kind of sad stories, but this woman came to me crying at a conference once and I never know what to do when that happens. I'm just like looking for the valve. Like, how do you turn that off? Those tears. Um, but it's an all too common tragic story that happened to her. Uh, she was seeing a man, you know, casually. And uh, they just got more serious over time and more physical. And at one point, they began to have relations. Right? But soon after they had relations, he ghosted her. And when she came to me, she said, I thought by giving him my body he would give me his heart in return. 
So she had an unspoken expectation for what she would receive by giving this gift. And in the same week, this is what really hit me, the same week, another young man came to me, not in tears, but just in confusion. When we get angry, we just like get in our head, like trying to figure out a problem. And he was really confused about this problem he was confronted with. He's like, I really like the girl. We started spending a lot of time together. I'd take her out to dinner at times. And we just talked on the phone for hours. I'd listen to her problems. And then one day, she just went off and started dating another guy. And she said I was a really, really nice friend. She's like, I can't believe she did that to me. And I said, well, did you tell her that you were interested in a relationship? No, but I mean, I just thought that she would get the idea. You know, he had a covert contract. He thought by getting unspoken expectation of where that relationship would lead, right? So if we're not honest with our intentions, we just expect the other person to understand it, that's where it becomes a ticking time bomb because we start throwing all these subliminal, subliminal messages out of what we're looking for, but we don't actually find the answer. The other thing about covert contracts, and I thought this was really interesting, you didn't see it in the gospel, but at the beginning of this scene, it says Christ came out in the fullness of the Spirit. So he was filled with the Spirit, just experiencing an overflowing of affirmation from his Father. Right? So his heart was filled. And because his heart was filled with who he was, he was free to offer the manifestation of who he was without fear of rejection. And they said, one thing about covert contracts is like, is what I'm giving, is it out of an empty heart or out of a full heart? Because people who work by covert contracts, they'll give something, but it's because deep down they want something in return. People who are more authentic will give from the fullness of their hearts. That's why they're not afraid. And so it's a, it's a difference between when you say I love you to somebody Am I saying it because it's out of an overflow of affection for this person? Or is it because I feel a little insecure at that moment? I'm looking for them to say, I love you back. Right? Then it's not as much of a free gift. So why are covert pro- contracts such a problem? Well, it's the surest way to fracture a relationship from within. Because it creates a lot of hidden expectations of what I want from the other person, which becomes like a ticking time bomb. And so when they don't answer those needs, then at one point I just explode. And the worst part about covert contracts that I've experienced in my own life is that in the end, it's my fault. That's what I've had to come to every time one of these situations come up, because at no point did I make my needs or my desires known. I just expected the other person to respond to that. That's why it's so important for us, especially in our times, because I, I think we're in a culture that just works more, more and more by covert contracts. We're not really that honest anymore. And I think it's because we have an innate fear of offending other people and of our own rejection. And when those two things are together, it's very difficult to be honest in a relationship. To really live authentically in relationship with someone else, you have to be grounded in truth and in trust that the other person won't reject me by making known my needs to them. You know, it's, 
That, that, that goes with your spouses, it goes with your parents, and it goes with your priests. Like one thing that I've noticed is really different about St. Paul's in my last parish is I don't hear much feedback on my homilies. And I think in my last parish, I heard way too much, too much feedback from my homilies. <laughs> it was a different kind of crowd. Um, but I was talking to someone and they said, well, you know, most students, they just don't feel like they have an opinion yet. They're just like, okay, I'm, I'm going either because my parents tell me to or because I just have to get through this and or I just can't question the priest. He's the priest. To me, that's the worst thing that can happen. I mean, I love being idealized and seeing like so far above other people. That's great. Hold on to that. But I still, I still want you to be free to talk to me, right? Because you can't have an authentic relationship without that. To, in order to really think for yourselves, and that's why I want to say confrontational things to people, because I want you to think about life. Think about what you believe about Jesus Christ, about morality, about the church, about your own life. Because it's only when you start to question and dialogue that you'll come to a new understanding within yourself. So it's very important to me that we talk about the types of things that are brought up here. It's like, for instance, someone just told me recently that they didn't believe baptism was necessary to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I have my opinions on that. But what struck me more than anything was that this person was free enough to tell me as a priest that that was their opinion. Because what that said to me is, you trust me enough to bring this this confrontation up. Controversial idea. Then you can start having a dialogue about it. So what does Jesus say about this? What does Scripture say about this? What has been believed since the beginning of Christianity about the necessity of baptism? But you can't even have that dialogue if you can't be honest about what you feel in the first place, right? Only people with very fragile, weak, illogical arguments don't want to hear feedback. Hashtag woke culture. And maybe that's the reason that free speech is becoming more and more attacked in the United States and in our campuses. Because we're so obsessed with feelings. It's feels before reels in our times with not offending anybody. And when you have that type of mentality, which is a good mentality, like I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to make you hurt, feel bad. But when there's issues at hand that are dictating what you live and how you believe, you have to risk insult for the price of clarity. It's the only way to live. And in the words of Dave Chappelle, it's a brittle spirit. We got a brittle spirit growing in America And that's exactly how totalitarian governments come about. When people live in fear to manifest who they are and what they believe, that's who the bullies go after. I'll never publicly, okay, I'll say it publicly right now, but I won't repeat it if the bishop asks. You'll have to go on my YouTube channel and find my homilies there. If a bully ever starts to pick on you, the first thing you do is you clock them in the face. That's my personal opinion. Then you say a prayer for them, and you help them up. You forgive them, but the first thing you do is you punch them in the face because you let them know they have no control over you, right? Who do bullies go after? Weak people. And the weaker you are, the harder they will come at you. So you have to learn to stand up for yourself at some point. And that's what's happening in our country. The more and more afraid we begin 
we become to manifest what we think and who we are, what happens? The government gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and we get smaller and smaller and smaller and more afraid. That's not the gospel of Christ. That's not what we learn from our Father. It's not authenticity. The truth will set us free, but it's going to hurt like hell first. It's hard to live an authentic life, and that's why it's admirable when we see it happening. We all know deep down that we, we have a truth to manifest. We have needs. We have desires. You just have to believe in yourself enough to manifest that. So consider in our, all of our lives, what are ways in my relationships with a spouse, boyfriend, or girlfriend, with my priest, with the government, with parents, whatever, where I'm living in covert contracts. I'm not really being honest about my own desires, my own thoughts. Let us not be afraid in our times, especially in our faith, to proclaim boldly what we believe in Jesus Christ and his word. Let us take for ourselves his own words as we take into our own hearts his own body and blood in the Holy Eucharist. Do you gird your loins, stand up and tell the world all that I command you. Be not crushed on their account as though I would leave you crushed before them. For it is I this day who have made you a fortified city. They will fight against you, but not prevail over you. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And from the fullness of that spirit, we can all walk out of this church singing of God's salvation in our own lives.